And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. How many of you saw the internet meme? No? You're saying... Yeah, well, they're laughing and they didn't, we don't even have the picture. Huh? Is that what you're saying? Okay, but you're still laughing. How many of you saw the internet meme with Brother John Hurley as the... John was the... Some, some photographer took this picture during, during the first half of the Ole Miss game Monday night. And he was, he was called the sad FSU fan and has gone around the world. If you'll all turn around and look, the young man in the, in the blue, he's smiling today. John's happy today because his favorite coach is here with us and my favorite coach too. You know, it's, uh, amen. Amen. Guy, come on up, coach. And while he's coming, let me just say, you're just so pleased to have Coach Bowden with us today. Um, and, uh, you know, he coached Florida State University's football team for 34 years. He won two national championships. That's right. And he won, are you ready for this? 12 ACC championships. Would you give an evangel welcome, Coach Bowden? Thank you. Thank you very much, and it's good to be here. It's about all I do now is speak. Uh, you know, I've been retired now for six years from football. I coached 57 years. Been retired now for six years, and I, I belong to about three national speaking organizations. So when they need a speaker, they'll, a lot of times they'll call me or they'll call somebody, come speak. So that's what I do. So your pastor called me or emailed me and asked me if I'd speak here. Yeah, I'm free. I'll be glad to do it. Now, I speak to athletic events. I speak to quarterback clubs. I speak to different corporations, you know. But, but my favorite is a Christian organization. That's my favorite, Yeah. Because I think it's so doggone important. Now, I brought this Bible with me. Do you ever hear people say, uh, God told me this? Why did you go here? God told me to. You ever hear that expression? Now, maybe God has never told you. And you might ask the question, I wonder why... What, what do they mean God told him? He, he never told me nothing. If God hadn't talked to you, you ain't read that. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. If you don't read it, how in the world is He going to speak to you? You know. And uh, now, don't do a lot. I mean, you know, somebody said about reading about, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my eyes and find something. Is that the way you read a book? 
just close your eyes and just jump in there like that, you know? No, and you can't read the Bible like that either. A lot of times when I'm talking to somebody who's not saved, I'll tell them, now this is my, preacher, you might have another way of doing it, which is, there's a lot of ways to do it. But if I was talking to somebody who was unsaved, I'd say, number one, get that book and read John. Don't start over in that Old Testament. You'll be dead before you even get to John. (laughs) You know? Let's start off with the good stuff. (laughs) You know? I'd say, read John. And when you get through, go back and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You know, and then when you're familiar with that, that now I can go back to Genesis, you know, and start reading how God made the world, how God put the world. The Old Testament, and I'm not telling you something you don't know, but the Old Testament predicts all through it that God is going to send us a Savior. You know, prediction after prediction after prediction after prediction. Written thousands of years before Jesus was born, the Bible, the whole Testament predicted that God was going to send a son. And then in the New Testament, he comes. I don't have any problem at all with that. I, I don't understand why people do not understand about Jesus being the son of God. Let me tell you a little something, a story I heard one time. I don't know if this is means anything to you. And I think it'll mean something, but it had a big effect on me. When I was playing football or when I was coaching at Florida State, when we start practicing in August, it would be hot as fire. I mean, man, it'd be 93, 94, 100 degrees. Now, you're out there in a football field, you got long pants on, you got shoes and socks come up to your knees, you got hip pads on, you got shoulder pads, you got a helmet, you got jersey and and you're out there practicing that heat for two two hours well we'd get through practicing we would go inside go to the dressing room take a shower take a shower get cleaned up then go through a door that we had on the side of the building over there and it'd go into our our cafeteria you know so take a shower get cleaned up we're going to cafeteria we're going to have a meeting later so you go into the cafeteria and you go down the line, you know, where you get your food and everything, like you'd see downtown somewhere, you know. And one of the first things you would face is the juices. The juices, you know. And you got a choice. You want coffee? You want tea? You want a cold drink? You want this? You want orange juice? You want this? You know. Well, you can imagine when you come off the football field after you have practiced in a hundred degrees heat, for two hours. What's your, what's your big need? Boy, I want something to drink. <laughs> I want something to drink, man. You know what? So you go in there and you start to get your food, and there's a big old vat of orange juice. You ever seen that downtown? Some of the stores, you get big, big vat of orange juice with a blade in there stirring up that ice. You think that ain't good? You think that ain't good? You know? So anyway, you go through there and you, and you say, God, I could drink every bit of that. I could drink the whole thing. But you can't. No way you can. So what do you do? I get a glass. 
And I put that glass under the spigot. And I turn that spigot and that orange juice comes down into my glass. So now I've got a, I've got a glass of orange juice. It tastes exactly, it tastes exactly like that up there. You know, by drinking that, I know what that's, I know exactly what that's like. I know exactly what that's like. See, I might even get another glass, you know. But you see the comparison I'm making there. That big one is God. The little one is Jesus. You can't handle God. You, you, you can't understand God. God is everywhere. God's in here. But not just here. He's over in China. He's over in Europe. He's over in Asia. God is a spirit. He's everywhere. You know. But, like that orange juice, a little story I used to tell. A young boy and his mama, say he's about 10 years old. He and his mama walking down the street one beautiful day like out there. And he looks up at the blue sky and he says, hey mama, is God up there? Is God up there? You know, we always think about God being up there. No, he's everywhere. Right here, you know. But anyway, you 10 year old. Mama, is God up there? Yeah, yeah, God's up there. He said, uh, like I might have said when I was that age, I wish he'd stick his head out. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to see him. And I can remember when I was a kid, probably about that age, playing touch football out in the street and get everybody get hot and tired. So we lay down, lay down on our back and look up. Do y'all ever do that? Look up to the sky and see the clouds and get the different pictures out of the clouds. And I remember, I can remember then I used to picture God sitting up there on the throne with a long white beard and a robe, you know, looking on, looking down on me. That's what I thought, you know, at that age. But anyway, he says, I wish God would stick his head out. Yeah. If I could see God, I'd have no problem believing it, would I? But you can't see him and you don't understand it. You know, but here's the thing about it. God didn't stick his head out. What did he do? He came down here in the body of Jesus. Jesus and God are the same. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. You see, nobody's ever seen God. What does he look like? Well, look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Do you know what Jesus looks like? Do you know what Jesus could do? Do you know Jesus could walk on water? Did you know Jesus stood on the front of a boat and stopped that hurricane last week? I mean, he just stopped, stopped it, Daniel. Could you imagine that, controlling the elements like he did? You know, hey, he, he fed 5,000 people, what, about five fishes? I forget where it's five and two or two and five, but anyway... He fed 5,000 people just a couple of fish and a little bread. Do I believe that? Don't go right, I believe it. Dad gum right, I believe he did it. Yeah. I have no trouble with that. You know? And you know what else he did? Lazarus was dead. Lazarus had been dead for about three days. 
His body is already beginning to rot like our bodies, like your body is going to do one day and mine is too. You know? And, and, and he's already in the grave. And Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out of that grave with all that white stuff all over him. You know what? Imagine he just fell off of him, you know, alive. That's not a fairy tale, folks. That's not a fairy tale. You know, when two or three or four people see something and it's the same thing and they tell it, that's history. That's the way we got history. People seeing things and doing things and writing it down, putting it in a book, it's history, you know. Now, you know, even people that don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, they still believe history. They still know He's there. But they don't take Him as, as the Son of God, you know. You know, I don't know all of you. I haven't met all of you. I met some of you, though. Some of you I've seen today that I hadn't seen in a while. Your number one objective in life my number one objective in life, now this is going to be a little selfish, but this is one, my one number one goal in life is to get to heaven. Where are you going to be a hundred years from now? You ain't going to be here. Your home's not going to be, the house ain't going to be with you. That car's not going to be with you. That bank account's not going to be with you. Where are you going to be? I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in heaven. Where is it? I don't know. I ain't got any idea. But if God can create this earth, He can sure create a dadgum heaven. And He says He does. He says He does. You know what? And, uh, and, and, and it also said that we must believe in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God and that He was crucified and put into a grave. He was killed. And three days later, He walked out of that dadgum grave. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? You say, oh, oh that couldn't happen. The heck, it didn't. All the, all the disciples saw him later on, touched him, touched him, wanted to feel his scars. Yeah, that was him. That's history again, you know. And, uh, and then before Jesus died, I think there were, was it 40 or 400 people that saw him? 40? Before he lifted up to heaven? I mean, they saw him. And then he, he this, is, this is 40 days after he died. He came back on the earth, you know, and then he was lifted into heaven. Do I believe that? You're doggone right I believe it. I believe every word of it, you know. And, uh, and so anyway, my goal, not my, I've got a lot of goals, by the way, but my number one is that I can go to heaven. And then my goal is my family. My family can go to heaven, you know. So we've tried to raise our children. They're all gone now. In fact, I got great grand. I got seven great grandchildren. Yeah, I'm that old. You, you see me trying to walk up in dead gum steps over? I thought the preacher's gonna have to carry me up here. But anyway, 
my goal is for all of them to have eternal life too, you know? And and I pray I pray all the time for America. If we don't turn back to God, I don't know what's gonna happen to us. Now, there's, there's a, history is a good thing. History is good because it tells us what's going to happen in the future. History, it repeats itself. It repeats itself over and over and over. And if you read the scripture there and you read the Bible and you read history of what happened to the Israelite people who were God's chosen people, you know, now he chose us, me and you too. We, we, we might not be Jewish. But he chose the Jewish people. That's why Jesus was a Jew. You know. I'll never forget. I was in my office. Spent about 20 years ago. Up Florida State. I had said something about the Jews. And I was sitting in my office. And I got a letter from a guy who was Jewish. And and I'll never forget. He said, why do you hate the Jews? I said, I don't hate the Jews. My Savior was a Jew. I don't hate the Jews at all. I, I think they're one of the strongest people in the world. I love them. I happen not to be one, but I still love them. You know, I don't know how I got in all that preacher. I got to get back on my mind, get my mind back on what I, what I was thinking about. But anyway, but anyway, uh, uh, oh, oh, I was going to I was going to mention. Now look. If anybody ever asks you, what is the truth? That. That's not a hard answer. You don't have to go through some theory that thought up somebody years ago. The Bible is the truth. It's the Word of God. You know. It tells us how to live. Now, I want to mention this about this book right here. You know, up in Washington, they got no idea what they're doing. They got no idea what they're doing. (laughs) Our nation is on the brink. And they don't know what to do. I keep reading all all these explanations has got. And not a one of them mentions God. What the heck's wrong with them people? You know? Now this book right here. It tells us our problem right now. It tells us how to solve our problem. I don't know if I can find it, but I think I can. I'm going to listen to this book right here. Now this was written, this was written probably 2,500 years ago, maybe more. Now this is the Bible, this is God. He says it right over here in Second Chronicles 7, 17, 14. If my people who are called by my name now we Christians are called by his name. I don't care what the president said. I think we're a Christian nation. See? Now, now you might have 1% of this religion, 1% of that religion too. But we're up in the 70s, I think, in the Christian religion. Which is a majority. But in my opinion, we are a Christian nation. So this says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face. And do what? Turn from their wicked way. What do you say I'll do? I'll hear them from heaven. I will forgive them their sins. And what do you say I'd do? I'll heal their land. Is that what we need? Well, it's been here for thousands of years. What, what took you so long to understand it? Huh? It's right there. That's one thing I like at the Bible is God wrote it. You know, if God had not written the Bible or had, had men to write the Bible, I think it's got about 40 different authors. But if he hadn't written that Bible, it, what if he just said it? No, nobody wrote it. You'd forget. You forget, I, I forgot what he said. I forgot what he said. But hey, it's written down, you know, how to save our nation. Do you, do you agree with that or am I? No, thank you. Glad you do. When I speak, and like I, I say, I do speak a lot now. When I speak to you, not knowing you personally, I try to speak like every one of you are unsaved. Because if, if there was two guys out there, one guy that could be saved, that'd be, well, that, that'd just be unbelievable. You know what? And I, I, I don't want, I, I used to witness to my football players. Oh, I used to pray with them. I used to read scripture with them. I used to have devotions for them. I used to bring all Americans who were Christians to talk to my team. I would bring in ministers to talk to my team. I had chaplains who met with my boys every weekend and, and gave them a devotion. Because I was concerned about what? Where they spend eternity. You see? And that's why I'm here today to talk to you. I, like I said, I don't know a lot of you personally. You know? But if there's anyone here unsaved, why in the, why in the world are you unsaved, man? I'm saved. Now what the, I'm saved. To you know what I mean? I mean when I die, baby, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> and that's not just for me, it's for all. It's for all. You say, well, other religions, they don't believe that. Yeah, but it's for them too. You know. And, uh, and, and so, if you are not saved, get saved. How do, you, how do you get saved? Well, number one, admit that you're a sinner. Is anybody here that ain't a sinner? If you ain't a sinner, you don't qualify. If, if you're not a sinner, you can't go to heaven. You know, it's, it's for sinners like me. You know, you know. And so we have to admit we have sinned. We ask, then we ask God for forgiveness. I guess y'all do like us Baptists, don't you? <laughs> That's what we Baptists do. You know, there's thousands and thousands of, of different religions around the world. Thousands. And uh, I was speaking in Pensacola, Florida about 10 years ago. Now, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Southern Baptist. That don't mean nothing. That, 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 don't, that don't mean nothing. I mean, it's just, that's what they call us, Baptists. And by the way, we sing a couple of verses and sit down, by the way. Uh, <laughs> boy, y'all go at it. Woo. But anyway. So anyway, I get invited to Pensacola to speak to the Methodist, the Methodist organization over there. They had it at the Civic Center. There was about 6,000 Methodists there in, in the uh, downtown in the arena. 
And so I'm sitting up on the stage, a Southern Baptist, and I'm, these Methodist ministers sitting there by me, and all those Methodists up there in the crowd there. And the Methodist preacher says, Coach Bowden, are you self-conscious about speaking to us Methodists? I said, no, I'm not self-conscious. I said, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to get to the same place. I said, we might, we might worship different. I said, you know, we, we baptize under, hours underwater. Yeah. I th- I've heard y'all sprinkle y'all's. I, I'm not sure. That's what I've heard. I've, I've heard y'all sprinkle. We, we put ours underwater. And I say, we might, we don't wear them robes y'all wear. You know, and we might have the Lord's Supper a little bit different. But, but, but still, we're all after the same thing. Y'all keep doing it your way, and we'll keep doing it his. You know, That's right before they threw me out. <clears throat> Pastor, how am I doing on time? I mean, is it okay? But anyway, as I was saying, we have to admit that we're sinners. And we have to ask God to forgive us our sin. And that we've got to ask Christ to come into our heart, which He will. Because many people think, I know this, I know personal. I can't go to church I can't be saved because I'm not doing, I'm bad. I do bad stuff. That's who God wants. That's who God wants, bad people. That is true. That is true. You, you, you take all throughout the Bible, some of the worst people in there became saved. Not, a lot of them didn't too, you know, because it is a decision you have to make as an individual. Nobody can make it for you, you know. But it is there for the taking. That's why I say if you're sitting out there unsaved, you, you don't need to wait another dadgum day. You know? I've lost two grandsons. One of them was 16. Played football over in Choctahatchee. In fact, he was going to football practice. He got killed. Automobile. Then I had another son just graduated from Florida State. Hadn't been across the stage to get his degree yet. Got killed before that. An automobile act. Two of them. Young people think that only old people die. But that ain't the way it works. You have to be ready because you don't know when you're going to be called home. You know it. I'm ready. 86. Not anxious to die. I, I, I want to live as bad as all you 20-year-olds out there. You know what? But the thing is, I don't want to die, but I am prepared. I am prepared. Because I've asked God to forgive me, and He, he has. And something I started to mention a while ago, a person who I can't I can't be saved because I've been I've been too bad, you know. Like I say, it's kind of for the bad people. And God says, "Come like you are. Come like you are." Oh, I'm, I'm gonna come as soon as I get good. I'm coming. So don't do that, man. You ain't ever gonna get there, you know. 
You know, come as you are. God will change you. God will change you. Once you become a Christian, you, you, don't, you, you don't want to do some of the things you used to want to do. You know, unless you're a Christian, you still got that burning desire. Now, you'll still have it. When you, once you accept Christ, you're still going to be tempted. You know, but, but, but you ain't going to want to do bad if you can help it. If you can help it. Uh, now, I've always felt like if a, what God wants out of us is that we make ourselves available to Him. Uh, you know, and I, I say to you, if you said, hey, I'm a Christian now, I accepted Christ, what, can I, what should I do? I'd say, just make yourself available. Don't, don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Make yourself available and let God use you. And that's what He'll do. You see Him using all these people up here singing today? They're making themselves available. And God's using them. Then you're, then you're singing with them and making you available, you know? Let me tell you an example about this. I'm going to tell you one story and I'm going to go home. <laughs> well, my wife's cooking fried chicken. I'm going home as soon as we get through it. <laughs> Talking about availability. God wants our... God don't need our ability. God don't need my ability. He wants my availability. And that's why I'm here today. I'm making myself available. If God don't speak through me, this it, ain't going to be no good. But he told me to come. So here I am. You know. Back in 1986, we had an open date. It was probably about October 86 football season and Florida State had an open date do y'all know what that means it means we don't play that week anytime we had an open date I would send my boys home because they ain't been home since we started practice couldn't couldn't we had to practice you know but I would practice Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and say alright boys y'all go home Friday now they hadn't been home since summer could have been practicing so they all go home I'd be back Sunday at 2 o'clock well, I always had about 10 or 12 or 13, 14 boys that lived too far away. By the time they get home, it would be time to turn around and come back. So they go home and stay on campus. So this open date weekend on a Saturday night, old Pablo Lopez played tackle for us. He's a Cuban, about 6'5", about 265. That was small back then. That was, I mean, that was big back then. I mean, small today, you couldn't play today at 265 on the line of scrimmage. You might be a back. But anyway, so Pablo couldn't go home. He lived in Miami. It took him too long to get home, so he stayed on campus. Went to a party that night, got in an argument with a little old bitty guy. Little old bit, it wasn't physical, just a verbal argument, disagreement. Little guy went home. Some of y'all might remember this. Went home, got a shotgun, came back. Stuck that thing right up against Pablo's chest. They said the last thing Pablo said is, you wouldn't shoot me with that, would you? Bam! Shot him right in the dadgum chest. They called 911. Ambulance came out and took him. We had 10 or 11 boys there with him at the same party. They had the girlfriends. They followed the ambulance to the hospital. You know, they, they didn't think he'd die. No, he'll be okay. You know, we should get him back in a week or two. That's what boys think, you know. So anyway, I get a call that night about 
I don't know what time it's late, 11, 30, 12, 1 o'clock. I'm already going to bed, man. I, uh, Coach Bowden, get over to the hospital as quick as you can. One of your boys has been hurt, and he's hurt bad. Boy, I got up and got my clothes on and took off to the hospital. It took me 20 minutes. I walked in, found that doctor, and before I could say anything, he said, Coach, Pablo was dead. Good kid, good kid. Well, now I got to tell those other boys. You think it ain't hard to do? Like telling one of your children your husband just got killed. You know? I got to tell those boys. So we tell them to go into the chapel. We take all those boys, probably like I said, I 10 or 15 of them, into the chapel. Some of them had their girls, girlfriends, you know? They took them in. I had my chaplain with me. And he told them, hey, man, Pablo's dead. He died. We know boys that age, they, they, they think, like I said a while ago, they think only old people die. You know, Pablo's 21 years old, you know. And, uh, and, and hey, and when he told them that, they went nuts. They started yelling and screaming and crying, you know, beating on the wall, beating on the floor, you know. You know, I never seen anything like it. Well, finally, they settled down a little bit. Girls did the same way. Screaming, hollering. They finally settled down. I said, hey, men, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we'll have a meeting in the team room. I want everybody there. Everybody went home. I told them they had supposed to be back at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock tomorrow in our team room, I want everybody sitting in there. So the next day, I'm up in front of the boys. Teams, just say that section right there. There's our team sitting right there, you know. We had 11 seats across the front. That's where the offense, first-team offense sat. We had 11 seats behind that. That's where the first-team defense sat. We had 11 seats behind that. That's where the second-team offense, second-team defense, third-team offense, third-team defense. And by seating them like that, get about 125 guys in there. By seating them like that, if I saw an empty chair, I knew exactly who was missing. I knew where everybody sat. Quarterback sit right there. Running back sit right there. Tackles, offensive tackles sit right there. So the boys are wondering what in the world I'm going to tell them. A lot of them are red-eyed, misty-eyed. I pointed down at that one empty chair on the front row. I said, men, where is Pablo? Where is Pablo? He was sitting right there yesterday. Where is he? And it gave me an opportunity to talk to the boys about death. And that we're all going to die one day. And the main thing is you must be prepared and you can't put it off. And I gave them a little preaching, you know. When I got through, I went back to my office. I closed the door, went back, sat behind my desk. Somebody knocked on my door. I said, come in. They opened the door and one of my coaches walks in. I said, close that door. He closed the door. He walked down. He said, I'm sitting behind my desk. He walked on that corner, stood right there in front of me. He said, Coach, what are you talking about? I've, n- I've never heard that about eternal life and about life after death and about being saved. I- I- I've never heard that. What are you talking about? So I had my mama's Bible. Mama died. I had her Bible sitting right there on the corner of my desk. I took that Bible, 
And I showed him how to be saved, just like I told you. How to be saved. And right there in my office, he accepted Christ as his Savior. We had a prayer, you know, shook hands. And he's today one of the finest Christian men I've ever met. That's been nearly a quarter century. 25 years. Who am I talking about? Mark Richt, who was the head coach at Georgia. He used to be my offensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach at the University of Miami. But he accepted Christ. And today he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met. Well, he's committed to God. You know, he, right. He, he saved, his wife saved, and I'm sure his children are, because I'm sure he saw that they did. Well, anyway, it's great to see all of y'all. I hope I, hope I said something that mean be meaningful. And the main thing I would hope, if there's anybody here not saved, don't put that off. You can't gamble with your life. You know, I, you can gamble with a football. I used to gamble in football games, trying all those trick plays I used to call. Half of them didn't work. It was a gamble, you know. But you can't gamble with your soul, right? Good to see everybody. Thank you, Coach. Great job. Thank you, Coach Bowden. Just please remain standing, if you will. And, you know, unless you got an appointment or someplace to go real quick, I'm just asking you to stand and just get quiet here in the presence of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody talking right now. Just want to ask you, if you died tonight, would you wake up in heaven? If you died tonight, do you have the assurance that Jesus Christ is the King and the Lord of your life. See, God offers you forgiveness because He loves you. He sent Jesus because He loves you. And forgiveness is available to every one of us, but forgiveness is not automatic. See, everybody doesn't make their way to heaven. See, forgiveness is available... But it's impossible for a holy God to allow sin into his presence. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 21. He says, not everybody that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You don't want to be among those who say, but Lord, we, we went to church, Lord, we... We, we prophesied in your name. We, we, we did signs and wonders. We, we told people about you. You don't want to be one of those people who will say that and then live a life where you're not trusting his shed blood as the full payment for your sins. Somebody once said that hell is reserved for those who are trying to pay for their own sins. See, hell was not made for people. The Bible says hell was made for the devil and his angels. God wants us all to spend eternity in heaven with him. But it's impossible for a holy God to allow sin in his presence. And that means you and I have a responsibility. Because we're born into sin, we have to turn. We've got to, the Bible calls it repent. We've got to turn away from our sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll do that, 
then you can make heaven your home. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, you'd say, Terrell, I want to know the Jesus that Coach Bowden was talking about today. I, I, I want to know that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven and that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Just lift up your hand and keep it, keep it up until we see it. All over this house, you say, Terrell, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my King and is my Lord. I don't want to miss making heaven my home. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.